Welcome back to Health Conscious. This is Joseph Del Santos. And this is John Abbott. And we have a great show for you guys this week. Uh, we're going to be speaking with Rob Gavora from Mercy Health in Des Moines, Iowa. Yeah, I mean, it's great. Rob was a Sloney back in 2015, and he has experience in both the consulting field and also the hospital administrative field. So I think it's going to be great to get his perspective on the way healthcare is going and any tidbits of knowledge he might have about hospital administration. Yeah. With that, here's Rob. Thank you so much for being here, Rob. Um, before we get started, uh, we were hoping that you could give us a bit of a background um, about yourself before you came to Sloan. Absolutely. So I'm originally from Falls Church, Virginia, and grew up in northern Virginia. I, I went to college in a small town in Maryland, Chestertown, Maryland. I went to Washington College, a smaller uh, liberal arts school, and played D3 soccer there. And I, I majored in economics with a minor in business management. And I, I had always sort of known that I wanted to do something I thought helped in healthcare. Um, my father's actually a physician, and so just growing up in the household of the doctor and kind of understanding his life and the, um, you know, the way he affects patients and works with patients every day and seeing how that positively affected just his outlook on everything and some of the different lessons he taught me, I, I thought that if there was a way I could get back to the medical community, that would be something that I'd be very interested in. So. I, you know, I, I applied to different um, health administration programs across the country and sort of figured through my background with some business and economics work and, you know, just wanting to be in healthcare that health administration was kind of a nice intersection of the two different disciplines and some way, a, a way for me to kind of maybe, you know, get my foray into the field and hopefully um, help impact patients and improve care. So I applied, as I said, to a, a couple of different programs across the country and one of the things that really stood out to me when I interviewed with the Sloan program was two things. One, that within the program, you were required to take elective hours across the, the university, which I thought was amazing because it really pushed us outside of our comfort zones into, um, into classes within the business school or any other any of the other colleges and university. And I really enjoyed kind of that full, full breadth approach to, to learning and that we weren't just going to be taking um, strict, you know, health administration courses for two years straight, but that we really were going to have the opportunity to be a part of a, a wider array of, of courses and subjects. And the other was, right after I had my phone interview uh, for the program, one of the alumni, it might have even been the same day or the next day, from the program called me, and we spent about, you know, 30 to 45 minutes on the phone. He talked about his experience from Sloan, how it helped him in his career, and what's led him to where he is today. And I just thought that was amazing that someone would take the time out of their busy life to chat with me at the time, you know, a college student about where I wanted to go. And so I could really tell that the, you know, the program had a great alumni base and a great foundation and people that were really invested in it. And it just uh, really appealed to me to be a part of something like that. It's awesome. It's uh, great to hear. I think we both share um, kind of that experience uh, with Sloan. So following Sloan, where did you go next and how did you go about making that decision? Between my first and second years in Sloan, I actually interned at a small consulting firm. At the time, I, I thought that I wanted to be in a hospital um, and just kind of be at the at the center and the forefront of, of healthcare and be part of a larger health system. But wanted to again get some other experience and see what was right for me. And so I, I think that experience did for me affirm that I wanted to be part of a of a larger um, you know health system itself. I applied to different administrative fellowships across the country and. I ended up where I still am today at Mercy Medical Center in Des Moines, a Catholic Health Issues member hospital. And 
for me, being originally from Virginia, you know, I, I didn't want to limit myself in my search. So I did apply to a couple different health systems on the East Coast, really across the country, to see what the right fit would be for me. And when people always ask me, or do ask me why I came out to Iowa and what sort of made me pick this organization, I always tell people, you know, Mercy was one of the furthest places away from home that I interviewed, but the most at home I felt in terms of the camaraderie around the senior leadership team. And when I went on site for my on-site interview, I could just tell by the way the members of the staff interacted with each other, interacted with patients from my times in the, in the units in the hallways, that it was real. And what I was feeling was a real sense of down-to-earth culture and people that really were willing to not only do what's right for the patient, but also invest in me and my career from my interviews and what I was discussing with other individuals. So another perk for me about coming out here was at the time the president of our organization was also a Sloan alum. And not that I limited my search by any means, just organizations where alumni from our program were working, but just because the organization seemed like such a good fit for me personally and professionally, and as well as being under somebody who had understands the Sloan program, had been through Sloan, and was a big supporter of the program, it just seemed to me to be a, uh, a no-brainer to pick an organization like that. So, A lot of our listeners are uh, prospective uh, fellowship applicants, so it's great to hear your perspective. Um, so we were hoping you could go a bit more into what the fellowship was like, uh, what sort of projects you did. Um, how your interactions were with the senior leadership? Absolutely. So the fellowship was a, uh, a two-year fellowship program here at, at, at Mercy. But one of the really positive things that I found throughout the fellowship was once I uh, finished my first year in the program, the, the, the senior leadership team really helped me start sort of planning for my next steps in my career. And once it was sort of determined from a mutual perspective that I, you know, I wanted to stay on with an organization, and if there was going to be an opportunity that the organization was receptive to that, I thought the organization did a great job of helping me kind of, again, plan for my next steps, see what positions may or may not be coming open within the next, you know, uh, four to six months, and really help me plan for my future. And so the fellowship, though, in a sense, it was a mix of rotations and project-based work. So I did spend, um, just like most fellowships, some time with uh, different departments, whether it was finance, strategy, business development, quality, um, kind of like the normal general rotation. But the project was much more focused on, on project needs and organizational needs, which I really appreciate because I felt like I got a really good, honest view of what the organizational needs were, where I could sort of fit in and help, and then what other things I could help add value to attack on that would help move the organization in the direction that it wanted to go. So. One project that I was highlights I worked on that was really rewarding for me, um, this was towards the end of my first year in the program. And at the time, the individual who was the interim president of the organization came to me and said, you know, this was, I think, I'm trying to think what year this was. This was in 20, beginning of, um, in 2017, you know, the project, in a sense, is around our cardiology group. So we have an employed cardiology group here at the organization. It's about 55 cardiologists. So it's a very big group. Um, they span a bunch of different areas and regions within Iowa um, and just have all the different subspecialties across the uh, cardiology gamut, electrophysiology, vascular surgery, interventional cardiology, you name it. So at the time, the organization and the, the cardiology group in, in specific was just coming sort of towards the end of a contract term. And so it was my job to really look through all the um, all their RBU work, their salaries, what they're getting paid, to kind of try to tie the two together to get a good baseline up. This is sort of where the group as a whole stands. This is where they're getting paid. This is where their quality metrics are. And then really help come up with a few different models to help project and actually come up with a new financial model for their group to be compensated on. 
So it, it was a kind of a lot of responsibility for someone in my position to take on, but I really enjoyed working with our senior leadership team to help um, come up with different quality and patient experience metrics that the physicians would be judged upon, and also spend some time working with the cardiologists themselves to understand um, what was going well in the organization, what some of their areas of need could be, and then try to tie in some stuff with um, their comp model that reward them appropriately. So that was a really um, worthwhile and rewarding project for me. It was a long project. It took a couple of months to kind of get everything together. And um, through that, I was actually able to even work with other individuals across the organization at Mercy who I hadn't previously interacted with. So um, in short, again, the the, uh, the fellowship is, uh, is again, a mix of project-based work, but also um, spending some time in rotations and working with closely with the senior leadership team. One of the, the last thing I'll say about the fellowship is it really is an open-door policy here. I could I could walk in at any time to one of our senior leadership team members' offices and ask a question, um, and no question was a bad question. People were really, again, willing to take the time to be with me and, and help me grow my career and answer my questions. And I was also able to attend any meeting I really wanted to as a fellow. So all board meetings, senior leadership team meetings, operations team meetings, any clinical meetings, I was really able to get um, into some pretty important crucial conversations that I think are just very valuable to even just listen to. So, One thing that you touched upon is kind of developing new these new financial models and developing the metrics and one including patient experience. Can you talk more about patient experience at Mercy? and how you helped kind of work on cultural changes, especially since you worked on that type of contract? Absolutely. So I was actually very lucky. When I first started Mercy, towards the middle uh, calendar year 2016, we had just engaged the Ritz-Carlton Leadership Center into helping us with the complete organizational retraining. So the training sessions actually hadn't occurred yet. We had just signed a contract with them to, to train all 7,000 of our colleagues across four different campuses in Iowa on service excellence, what that means for us, and to really help tie back some very important, what I would call hospitality and service functions into the healthcare industry, because the two really are um, have a lot of synergies and they're very synonymous in terms of how we obviously want to treat our patients with the most respect and, and, and satisfy their needs, but the same way how, you know, you look at any big you know, hospitality uh, organization or hotel, uh, the customer experience is everything. And so I think having that mindset of, of the patient experience first and through that we're going to engage our own staff members and engage them in our patient's care was something that the organization was valuing at a very high level. So when I first started Mercy, we went through the whole process. They, the Ritz-Carlton consultants came on site and trained all 7,000 of our colleagues over a three-week period. I actually, because I just started the organization, was lucky enough to be actually on what we call our culture design team. So I actually helped design some of the materials for those different sessions. Worked really closely with all levels of the organization. That's one of the things that we had really stressed was we wanted to come up with this culture team to help lead us to this work and figure out what content and what was purposeful for our organization as a whole. We had members of our senior leadership team from housekeeping, um, from managers, directors, really the whole um, organization that cascaded down was a part of this, this work, which I was lucky to be a part of. So the patient experience to me at our hospital is one of our utmost and first values. It's, it's kind of part of our mission statement and to provide a remarkable mercy experience. And that's always stood out to me remarkable because I think what we really strive to do is have somebody come, you know, if, you know, if, if you're a patient or if you're a user of our services, to really um, leave our organization saying that, you know, that was really above and beyond what I expected in a, in a good way and, um, you know, really valued the way not only you were treated as a patient but as a person. And with that, all of that training, what were the big challenges that you guys faced? I think the biggest challenge, and this is not unique to our organization, but just with any organization, is organizational buy-in across 
multiple levels. So what I mean by that is engaging physicians, engaging other clinical staff, engaging even administrative staff, and understanding how everything that we do affects the patient experience. So one of the big takeaways that we had had from the sessions with Ritz Carlton is that every department, every every person in an organization needs to be a part of a an organizational huddle every day. And so we were able to develop through that standardized huddle sheets that we use throughout clinical and non-clinical departments. Um, it was somewhat hard at the forefront to really have everybody buy into that. And again, these sessions are largely based around service excellence. And some of the stuff that, you'll, that you hear in those sessions, to be honest, may be common sense to you or me, but with just reinforcing how it connects back to healthcare, that, I think that's just so important for our staff to hear. And so. I think one of the challenges, again, as I allude to, is there, there will always be some, you know, small contingency of organizations that are naysayers and don't want to buy into something like this. And I think the challenge, again, is then is to how do you direct best work and these ideals back to their individual jobs? So if it's in housekeeping, how do you how do you help them understand that the way they take care of someone's room and their personal belongings goes such a long way? Because it does, it really does, goes such a long way in cultivating the best possible patient experience. I mean, I think it's just, again, a challenge to make sure people who don't necessarily see themselves as part of the solution, but that they really are, you know, so important to the patient, helping them connect back some of the larger principles back to their everyday tasks and their job. So I guess going on to kind of your post-fellowship work, uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, patient experience in that, those types of roles, because that's something that's very non-traditional, and I guess more generally about the roles that you're working on in now. Sure. To keep going in the patient experience path, one of the items that I sort of had an on, as an outstanding um, agenda item for myself to be working on throughout my fellowship was I worked very closely with our patient experience department, the organization, and our patient experience officer. And what I mean by that is I actually helped her very closely with a lot of the different reporting functions that our organization required, that our parent organization, CHI, required that our statewide health network, Mercy Health Network that we're part of in Iowa required. So she had a lot of reporting duties and it was very hard to keep up with some of that stuff and pull data and show the data in a meaningful way and to really be able to show nice trending data and make people understand what they're reading. And so one of the things that I always worked on when I was a fellow, um, this was on a monthly, quarterly basis, was helping her with reporting. And I, I like taking on those types of projects. Again, I think sometimes you are in the nitty gritty of just writing reports and making sure the data looks right. And um, well, of course, you know, that's a piece of the fellowship and wanting to be a part of, you know, more personal and larger, you know, leadership team meetings is also a lot of value. I think that through some of that stuff, you really understand what not only your organization uniquely might be looking for in terms of reports and in terms of formats, but you also just become so ingrained with some of the data that you can speak um, professionally about that to other colleagues around what those current scores are for a certain department or unit, why they are the way they are, and can kind of help them tie back against organizational principles and values of how they can improve some of those scores and move forward. So to me, that has always been um, something that I worked on as a fellow, and I would also encourage anybody else looking at a fellowship to um, when you start or when you, you know, whatever organization you're lucky to be a part of to try to align yourself closer with patient experience because that it's the present, but it's also giving me the continued future of healthcare. And I think whatever projects or initiatives you can get aligned with in the organization in that regard would be um, very beneficial. So my, just to go on a little bit more, I think the second part of your question about myself. So after my fellowship, I moved into a role of the organization as the director of our transfer center, Mercy Connect. So my job right now, actually, ironically, 
It is, it is a part of the patient experience, but I would say even more so it's a part of the referral experience with our referring facilities that send us patients across Iowa and the Midwest and making sure that when they call us and transfer the patient that needs a higher level of care, that we're not only just courteous on the phone, but that we make the transfer process as easy as possible, we answer all their questions and needs with respect and dignity, and that we really treat them just like we would any patient, because really we're taking care of their patients from their community. And so that we need to do everything we can that even though our organization might be a lot larger than the one the patient's coming from, that they still have that same um, small organizational feel and personal touch they would at their hometown facility that they would at a large 500-bed level two trauma center. So I, I think ironically, and maybe not necessarily ironically, but regardless of what your next role is after your fellowship or even during your fellowship, a lot of what you do you might not realize really does affect the patient experience and always can kind of be traced back to that, that at the foundation. Um, yeah, so I wanted to build a bit more about what you were saying about the data reporting and the uh, sort of building out trend lines and uh, items like that. So what are some challenges you had in actually collecting the data? And also, could you go a bit more into some of the metrics uh, that you were actually using um, from the patients? Absolutely. So there was a couple of different challenges that we face as an organization. Um, we and have actually now some switch, but when I first, again, first started the organization as a fellow, we were not on press gaining. We used a different data tool to, to pull our data from. And I had always had some questions around the sample sizes, the legitimacy of some of the numbers. And I think for us it was hard because, you know, we have such small sample sizes. When you when you really break the data down at a much in a very granular level, you're really working by by nursing floor, by department my service line and some of those numbers when broken down can be very small and so making sure um, that not I mean you kind of have to toggle a fine line because the data is valuable it's real and you have to have people that need to be able to respect that data and build upon it but at the same time um, have to understand where it comes from what the sample sizes and make sure that they have the full picture so I think one of the things that I've always learned from from working with data and when you're presenting something is just providing context you have to provide the right context so people can understand exactly what you're looking at, what they're looking at, and why it's important to them, and relating that back to um, their own personal needs and their organization. So that's a huge piece of it. Um, what we would generally try to do is we, of course, had our, our overarching larger, I think there was nine or ten categories that, um, you know, even CMS for value-based purchasing looks at. And so we had, you know, um, like overall rating, um, nursing experience, physician experience, the broad metrics and the broad categories. But what we generally tried to do was work down into the, um, the weeds of the questions within those categories. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you say your nursing staff treated you or how well was your pain controlled or the individual questions. And we would pick a couple of those depending on what type of categories you're trying to move and work really closely with certain nursing units or floors where those scores maybe were a little bit lower and help them kind of understand again, you know, from a broad level, this is where you stand on, the, on our scorecard. But if you really break it down to these couple of questions, this is really where um, your scores are the way they are because of these one or two questions that may or may not be accelerating or driving down where you are. So I think, again, making people understand the specific questions and even how they're worded, too, because one of the things that our senior leadership team felt strongly upon, which I agree with, is that the way even we personally script our own work within Mercy, so even if I'm a nurse or a frontline staff member, how I address certain issues or topics with patients can go a long way in shaping their belief in the organization and their belief in what's happening within their specific room and their unit. So I think it really helped us dig down to the, the weeds of the data and say, okay, so this is the question that we're really trying to move 
this month. What are some actions and how they relate back to our patient experience work with Ritz-Carlton and what can we do to help again move the needle into the right direction? So, What question do you think was the most difficult to move the needle on? Or what, what question do you really struggle res- with? Res- responsiveness. I think responsiveness is one that was hard for us as a category. And I think the main question within that is like on a scale of 1 to 10, did, this, did the hospital staff always, always meet your needs? And that's what always you know gets hospitals and always gets us. And if HCAP scores is the word always, and that's so important because really we are all judged on this metric where if you're not on a one on a one to ten scale scoring nine or ten you really don't get top box credit for the question so that's when we always struggle on because it is very hard but again it's a high standard that we have to live to that if i'm a patient in my room and i hit a call light that i expect somebody to probably be there immediately just like when you're at a hotel or a hospitality organization when you call down the front desk someone generally picks up relatively quickly and so again holding us to that high standard making sure that we're being as responsive as possible and it's hard because you have clinical staff answering those call lights who do an amazing job taking care of our patients but if they're you know have multiple patients that they're handling or dealing with then sometimes just finding again the um the resources to really respond in an appropriate fashion can be difficult. And then if you can't have those resources, where's the, you know, um, creative ways that we can have other individuals, you know, be a part of the care team to make sure patients needs are being met in an expeditious manner. Changing gears a little bit. Um, this is more general to the organization. How does innovation look like at Mercy? I would say that one of the things that we always try to do as an organization is the best of our ability be at the forefront of whether it's cutting edge technology or even just more forward thinking ideas within healthcare. So an example I'll give to you about this and it's not something that we have implemented today, but something that we're been reevaluating is different care models. So we're really, I think, having a big push, just like a lot of health systems already have done or are currently doing, into the uh, virtual care telemedicine models and seeing, you know, what certain services, though, in particular, would make sense for us to provide at a virtual level. And I think one of the things that we have going for us, which is a great opportunity, is, you know, we're a large, you know, tertiary level two trauma center in a, in a mostly rural state. And so how, again, do we provide services back to some of these rural communities so they can, you know, better help manage patients locally and help us with our own throughput, the organization, and make sure that we are providing services in a responsible manner to your community rather than having the patient come to us. So I think for us, innovation, at least at this point in time, is really around having our patients get their care at the right place at the right time. And sometimes that will be in person here at Mercy if they have to have vascular surgery or or a very complicated procedure. But if it really is something that can be handled and even treated locally, how do we make sure that our patients that might be transferred to us or that are within our statewide health network can really get those services at home? So we try to be in the cutting edge of that stuff and be, you know, um, as innovative as possible. And so it's, it's, it's my job, just like it is everyone else's job, the organization, to kind of stay on the cutting edge of what's happening within the industry and make sure that we're, um, you know, meeting patient needs and wanting to be a place where people um, desire to, to work and serve. Yeah, going off that uh, point you said about responsiveness and uh, making sure the patient's needs are being met, what are some strategies that Mercy is implementing to make sure the frontline staff are really buying into this uh, all this work with innovation and um, sort of how you bring hospitality into the space? Sure. So we, one of the things I think that we've done a much better job over the last few years is bringing meaningful data to our frontline staff. And so 
one of the things that we noticed, at least what I noticed when I first started here with the fellowship, is we, you know we would give all these our colleagues these patient experience scores, and we you know I'll just harp on responsiveness. We, you know, responsiveness was an, was a challenge area for a lot of our different units, and a lot of the staff when you would meet with them would say, you know, I'm doing the best I can. I need to, you know, I I get to my patients as quickly as possible, but there's all these other mitigating factors, and while much of that is very valid. We at the time didn't have a culture of owning the issue and owning the question and saying, you know, no matter what I have going on, it's my responsibility to get there as soon as possible. And only can something, an incredibly, you know, severe mitigating factor hinder me from doing that. So going back to the data piece, you know, we have and had at the time all this call light data. So we knew how long every single, almost every single even room, but to the department level, even to the floor and unit level, um, whose call light times were the shortest and why that was, who was doing what well, and what the outliers were, what the variances were, what was statistically significant, what was meaningful. And so showing that data to some of the nursing floors who really hadn't been following that or even just tracking it on a regular basis was eye-opening. And I think it really helped them buy into the, the notion of owning the question, owning the issue, and being the solution to the problem. And I think it was just amazing for some of them to see how sometimes there were, you know, the average call out time wasn't great for some of these different floors and units. Now they really were, um, you know, letting patients sit for multiple minutes depending on the situation and not being able to get to them soon. So I think once they were able to own the data and see what their real numbers were and be, and not just see it once, make sure that we were constantly, whether it was monthly, quarterly, even bi-weekly, make sure that we're tracking this and they're holding them accountable to it, the scores just improved because people, again, it was top of mind. It was something that people took pride in. It was something that they could personally say, wow. I actually have a real effect on this if I'm responsive and if I'm getting in that room as quickly as possible when I see the call light happen. And then really just managing up. So even if I'm, it's not my room, but I see the call light going off and I'm not the nurse in that room, just going in there because it could not, it might not even necessarily be a medical need. It could be something along the lines of helping someone go to the bathroom, getting somebody a drink. I mean, there's some, some things, again, from a hospitality standpoint that we do as an organization, whether it is, it's food, drink, it's making sure when you're staying with us that you have all the amenities that you need. So just taking ownership of the unit, not just my patients, was a big um, mindset and shift that our staff really took to. I thought that was a great conversation, Joe. Um, and thank you again, Rob, for coming on. We really enjoyed speaking with you. Yeah, it was really interesting to see Mercy's approach to patient experience and how invested they are. Uh, and really implementing that and uh, that type of culture throughout their whole organization. Yeah, it's nice to see uh, not only that they're uh, pushing it, but they're also using data and they're really focused on the patient experience and really improving that that for the patients. So that's that's great to hear from Sloanies who are working on that awesome, innovative stuff. Yeah, thank you so much, Rob. And for all our listeners, have a great week.